Welcome to this Dealer's Edge online training program featuring Rob Campbell with a workshop covering the topic of how to stop losing customers to your aftermarket competitors. Today we'll look at the question of service pricing versus service value and realize that sometimes you have to convince your service advisors before you sell to your customers. Rob Campbell is a dealership analyst with the Witham Smith and Brown Group in New Jersey and he's a frequent speaker at industry events, including the NADA Convention Workshop Series. I'm Mike Bowers with Dealer's Edge. There's a different way to present all of those things to know what's important to the customer. And if we're not asking questions and finding that stuff out, then we won't know what's important to the prospect, and that's usually when their desire breaks off. Mike, I just kind of went through almost 20 straight minutes of talking so things there that you think you want to eliminate a little bit more or discuss? Uh, <clears throat> oops. Yeah, let me see here. Uh, all right, you made the comment. I think it was uh, based on your survey, service gross is down 4% this year. Is that? On customer pay only. Oh, overall, customer pay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, overall because of warranty and internals, we're up for the whole shop. But, again, th those, are, those, are, those are fine. I, I'll take dollars any way I can get right. dollars. But that's not something I can readily control. Okay. I can only control customer pay. So my question was, I guess on customer pay, are, are you seeing service advisor compensation going up, down, or just staying about even? Well, here's the, here's the point for, unfortunately, for a number of my customers, or, or my clients that um, may be true for you. The, the pay plans that were put in place for service advisors were done four or five years ago when things were radically different than they are today. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, they're actually almost always hitting some upper tier levels and they're being comp they're, there's, there's not enough differentiation and compensation for a four or 5% decrease in gross. Okay. Uh, and uh, on the uh, current slide there, what's the right time uh, during the uh, service sales presentation? What's the right time to present uh, the options of, uh, of these needed uh, maintenance services? Well, I mean, certainly there are stores that swear by the walk-around process, which I'm fine for if it works in your store. It's just none of my stores have ever stuck with it long enough for it to make a difference. So normally we're making up sell presentations off the MPI. Okay. There are certain things in the write-up process if we know the customer, that the vehicle needs, you know, a maintenance service, an oil change, something else that we can make those presentations. I think the problem is, is when I'm when I'm working with advisors and, and, and in every store, if if you got four advisors, that you probably have one superstar, one that's barely fogging a mirror, and two that you hope that you can work with to, to move to the next level. Um, you know, m most of the advisors that we're working with when we're into dealerships that are in trouble. Uh, and not just wanting to, you know, improve performance. They absolutely have to improve performance. Is th they're order takers, and they're not taking the time to either know the customer or at least make some suggestions to look. I know your vehicle. I know what it needs. What's your intentions with the vehicle? And here's some things we'll probably have to look at today. And then after we do the MPI, we'll see if there's anything else we want to address. Okay. Uh... Okay, so when we look at doing a uh, an RO survey uh, to check on our pricing results, uh, 
who normally does that in the dealership? Is that a service manager's job, or does that fall to the controller's department? Every ones that I know that do it in the store, it's a service manager job. Okay. Um, I don't know of a controller that's done it, and if they were going to do it, um, I have to say for most of my clients, it's it's unfortunately it's me. Okay. They don't have time to do it, so they asked me to come in and do it. Okay. Uh, on the question of uh, improving the the perception of value, uh, are you seeing more dealers offering loaners or free rental cars at this point? Um, yes, and that's going to steal all my thunder moving forward, but okay. I, we can mention it right now. Um, there, remember when I said there's one area that kills us on customer satisfaction, and that is that you know relationship with the shop owner that we just don't have? There's one area that we can kill the aftermarket in, and that's loaner vehicles. They don't have them. Customers love them. And that is like our single best competitive edge over other uh, other competitors. Um, and so we'll talk about that a little bit more moving forward. All right. And then on a related question, um, we, we read, in fact, I just read about an article this morning about a, a dealer who has a, you know, an extensive uh, lounge, a you know, customer lounge uh, with, you know, with a cafe and you know, diversified menu and, and and that kind of stuff. Do you see many of those things cropping up? I do see more of those cropping up, especially in the high lines, of course, where it'd be expected. I will tell you, though, what's funny is, you know, we have, we have several uh, here in New Jersey that are just, you know, Taj Mahal, gorgeous. Every possible amenity you could think of. You can have a guy shine your shoes while you're playing pool. Um, and, and, and the level of customer expectation and consumer expectation will never have, will never have a boundary. No matter what you do for them, they're going to expect something else. So you could have a full menu in there and they're going to complain because you didn't have plain chicken. Um, so it, does it help? Is it to be expected now? Um, yeah, we, we got to do that. That's part of it. I mean, I can't imagine. I go into a Fiat dealership, and I don't see an espresso machine. I, I, I'm confused. I, I don't know what they're doing. So, yes, it, it's, it, you're just going to have to do it. It is going to help build value. And, you know, it, 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 is it always appreciated by everybody? No, but it's appreciated by the customers we want. I mean, there's a difference between a Hilton and a Hampton Inn. Okay. And when you do see those lounges, the fancy Taj Mahal operations, is that the dealer that puts the bill for that, or is he bringing in uh, uh, like a restaurant operator or somebody else uh, who, who rents space uh, and, and pays a fee to be there? Ooh, okay. So I, I, we're going to talk about two different things now. One would be somebody with like a, a mini cafe mm -hmm. that is a, you know, you buy stuff there. That is almost always a outside operator. I don't know a single dealership but where I have a for-profit cafe in the dealership where that's not an outside operator. The other side is on my high lines, they have sandwiches and, and soup and everything, and, and it's free. It's just there for the lounge, and that's always catered. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. We, we, we want to 
tell the, we, we want to make the value presentation to the customer, and part of that is that we use OEM parts mm -hmm. uh, backed by the manufacturer, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we make we offer the option of aftermarket parts to be competitive. How do how do you offer that? How do you do that so that you don't undercut your own value proposition? Um, it's always tricky, and it's almost on a like per basis, you know, going through it. Um, one of the areas I get into it the most is, is like with aftermarket rotors because they are so inexpensive compared to factory rotors. Mm -hmm. I mean, like the difference between $25 and $125. So I, I can usually equate that like, look, these rotors, they'll probably be perfectly fine. You'll probably never have an issue with it, but I can tell you, you know, the material's a little softer. They're probably going to wear out a little faster for you. There's a chance that they could start vibrating. I know with the OEMs, they're solid. They're beefy. They're going to last you another, you know, 50,000 miles. The OEMs, yes, they're very inexpensive, but we have had a few issues going forward with them. Uh, but i got to be honest with you. I, I mean, a, a, you can buy a set of good quality cross-drilled rotors for less than you can you know, a, uh, a factory rotor uh, on, on some occasions. So it depends on the part and depends on what's going into it. And I, and I think I'm going to have a couple examples of that moving forward. Okay, great. And one more question then. Um, we have a new service manager, and this is the dealer asking the question. We have a new service manager. Uh, he used to be our top producing service advisor, but he was promoted. Now we're having a hard time keeping him away from the counter and getting him to concentrate on becoming a manager. Uh, any suggestions for how to do that? I'm trying to think back in my 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 skill set when I had to do that. Gosh darn it! You know, my the I remember this happening a couple times with some of my dealerships, but they were fortunate enough that they had multiple stores. And they they moved the manager to another store to break him away from the desk and break him away from what I always say of being one of the guys. Right. One of the other things that I probably would do is I don't know if he's on the desk writing or he's just on the desk interacting with customers. Uh, if he's on the desk writing, I can just tell him, dude, you can't write more than two ROs a day. It's something very particular that just you have to write up and deal with the customer directly, but that should be it. If it's just that he's hanging out in the, on the desk and in the lane, visiting with customers and talking with them, that's something where as a dealer, I have to coach them to say, these are the expectations that I have and that you teach to the other advisors, and you can't do that in the lane all the time. My, my conflict with this is I would love for service advisors, service managers to spend a little bit more time in the lane and stop being locked into their office the whole time. Um, but in this case, it sounds like it's stepping a little bit over the bounds, and we have somebody that's not really taking that leadership role um, that us as dealer, general manager, senior management are going to have to kind of have that meeting and, and talk with them. But i got to be honest with you, the, the times that it's happened – the only resolve was we had to flip them to another store to break them of it. Yeah, it is, it's a it is a difficult problem. And I, when we, when I was writing uh, articles for Dealer's Edge, it was it was one we used to cover periodically. And there was there was no good answer to it other than uh, having the dealer or the general manager uh, do a you know do a regular one-on-one -on -one meeting and keep an eye on the guy to, 
and, and, and break them of the habit because that was uh, the one that comes to mind vividly is, is a service director who, who really, when, it, when the pressure was on, he walked out into the shop and wanted to put his head under the hood uh, and, and work on a motor uh, and uh, instead of dealing with the, with the customer issue or the financial issue that, uh, that the manager really should have been, been working on. So it, it isn't easy. One-on-one uh, -on -one meetings would be one idea. Uh, and we're going to give you Rob's contact information when we finish up today, and uh, maybe you can contact him offline uh, for uh, just to kick it around a little bit. Let me I'll, I'll paraphrase this a little. We, you know, the, the customers. On the one hand, you know, we'd like to have advisors who are comfortable enough uh, and experienced enough to, you know, to answer objections and handle the customer who comes who comes in and say, gee, that's just too much money, uh, or I can get it for more across the street. Um, but the dealer here who wrote in the question, his problem is does, he doesn't even get that far. His advisor won't even make the presentation in the first place. Uh, he doesn't want to present the, uh, the recommended job uh, because the advisor thinks it's too expensive, and he doesn't want to have a confrontation with a customer. Uh, and possibly just doesn't want to be rejected by the customer. Uh, you must see that periodically in your travels. What, how would you advise this dealer to handle that advisor? Okay, so um, no, I've never ever heard that. Some <laughs> advisor afraid to sell because yeah. they're going to be seen as a shark. Um, my first instinct, and, and I don't say this cavalierly because a lot of people do, when I, when I talk about this to other service managers or dealers, their immediate response is what? Just fire them. Just get rid of yeah. them. That, that's really cavalier. That's, you know, we might have an opportunity to save somebody here, and it's not that easy. Um, so generally I start with um, going back to, all right, well, what do, you, what do you think this service is worth? Do you think it's even necessary? Do you even think that, you know, this is things that we have to do. So I, I usually start with that. And if it's things that they don't think is necessary, I at least try to educate them on some of the things we've seen and why it is possible. For example, you know, there's a big one on flushes. And there are various people that believe it's snake oil to the greatest thing to, to uh, ever help prepare a car, to the middle, which is, I don't know if it's good or bad, but I know it helps gross. Um, I'm a big believer in brake flusters. I've seen enough bad things happen when, you know, brakes were not maintained and not flushed out. I'm a big believer in, you know, some of the fuel injection services because I have been to places in the country where cars carbon up within 30,000 miles if they don't have some kind of preventative maintenance. So it's always a matter of, in that person's mind, they have no value of the service or, or that they don't understand some of the ramifications of the service. If I can't educate them on that, then they're quite frankly in the wrong business. I, I can't. I, I can't. I can't have somebody up there, you know, that's not going to make the presentation. If I am stuck with the employee for whatever reasons, there could be a lot of reasons. I usually try to get them away from customers and have them start writing internals. Uh, maybe be our loaner car guy who hands out loaner cars to people, or I do something else that they're not making the day-to-day -day presentations. Another thing I will tell you, though, um, that I am seeing a, a number of our clients do now, I mean, that's not the majority, but a number of them started to do it, is real true, honest uh, turnovers to the manager. 
um, where they are just kind of, I, I just want to fill you out. I mean, if you don't think we're competitive, maybe I need to look up pricing. Uh, and it really becomes a different conversation then. Uh, and, you know, sometimes they are able to, to save the sale. How many repair orders should a service advisor handle per day? I, how many do they or how many should they? I don't. <laughs> I'd say how many should they, and then there's always some confusion as to how many of those should be customer pay and how many warranty. Yeah, w warranty. Well, again, any more because of the number of recalls and stuff that we're dealing um, a warranty line is just a, M a way to an MPI where we're hoping to make it a customer pay line. So whether it, it, the only exception would be internal because we're just dealing with those. But for, for warranty and customer pay where we are trying to build rapport with the customer in anticipation that we're going to present some needed services or maybe not, um, I mean, the, the average is I'm still seeing them right around 20. I mean, I know a lot of us would love for everything to slow down and get that down in closer to the 15 range. But it, it's still, every time I look at it, it's still 20. Okay, and with that, uh, this is Mike Bowers. I'm with Dealer's Edge, and I uh, hope you can join us next week uh, when we'll switch over to the parts department. And we'll have a topic called Rethinking the Parts Pricing Matrix in order to maximize parts profits. So I hope you can join us next week as well.